Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcast. Welcome to the eighth episode of And the EGOT Goes To, a breakdown and predictions podcast for the major US-based award shows. Today we continue our first season with a nine-episode miniseries on the 2023 Tony Awards. I'm your host, Spencer, and with me is our panel. Hello, I'm Kate Ranking. I am a theater is life on TikTok and YouTube, and I love seeing theater. Hi, I'm Ashley Hufford. I'm Ashley Hufford on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, and I also love seeing theater. Hi, I am JT Tranberg, and I also love seeing theater. Uh, I am JT Does NYC on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, all the socials. Today, we're going to start by discussing the final four categories, which include best musical, best play, best revival of a musical, and best revival of a play. We will also be discussing the Special Tony Award, which is an award given for lifetime achievement in the theater. So let's start with that. The Tony Award for lifetime achievement in the theater is going to Joel Gray and John Kander um, to discuss both. Obviously, they are both also connected because of both Cabaret and Chicago. Um, But it's important to talk about both of them individually. Joel Gray um, has been on Broadway in Come Blow Your Horn, Stop the World, I Want to Get Off, Half a Sixpence, George M., Good Time Charlie, The Grand Tour, Wicked, Anything Goes, and The Cherry Orchard. As a director, he direct, he co-directed the 2011 Broadway revival of The Normal Heart with George C. Wolfe and also helmed the recent off-Broadway hit Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish. John Kander is best known as one half of the legendary Broadway duo of Kander and Ebb, a collaboration that gave us such musicals as Zorba, The Happy Time, 70 Girls, 70, Chicago, The Act, Woman of the Year, The Rink, Kiss of the Spider Woman, Steel Pier, Curtains, The Scottsboro Boys, and The Visit. He is currently represented on Broadway with New York, New York, a new musical that combines Kander and Ebb's songs written, the 1977 film The Same Name, with a number of songs from their extensive back catalog, along with original songs written by Kander with lyricist Lin-Manuel Miranda, and by the musical Chicago, which has been running as a revival for 25 years. He said, suck it, Angela Weber. I have the record now. Yes. <laughs> He's having a great month. <laughs> so obviously, very well-deserved. This is the, we're going to give these awards to these people before they die category. <laughs> Not wrong. Better late than never. The main, literally the main reason I want them to transfer Yiddish Fiddlers because I want Joel Gray to win a directing award. Mm. Like Yiddish Fiddler, y- Yiddish Fiddler is one of the best directed things I've ever seen in my entire life. I really like, need them to at least bring it back so I can see it. I know, like, just do it. Like, yeah. do like a short run. Do like a short run at like circle. I don't circle care. Like, like, do a circle. Like, the square a, is busy. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to see it. Right. I'm like, do a twelve. I mean, again, it's it's funny. Sorry, I just totally took us off a tangent, but like, I'm aware it's not a Hanukkah show because it's the Fiddler has nothing to do with Hanukkah, but it like feels like a like a like a holiday show. Like I always feel like in it my does. head, I right. Like it's not like there's literally never a mention of Hanukkah. There's no like holiday really in Fiddler on the Roof in my head though I'm like this is our holiday show and they should do it every holiday season like bring it in for like bring in Christmas Carol for 12 weeks bring in a Fiddler on the Roof for 12 weeks like (laughs) but no and do it at like do it at like the James Earl Jones or like somewhere small or if uh, if they did a a very limited if they did a limited run of Yiddish Fiddler on Broadway like Joel Gray would win 
for direction and it'd be yes. amazing. And, the, and it would do, I think it would do well for a short run. Like, obviously I'm not saying a, Yidd- a show in Yiddish with subtitles is not going to be like a long running Broadway production, but. Uh, you know, and the fact that both of them are working as much as they are. John Kander is 96 years old. Joel Gray you, is 91 years old. And, and not to be this person, but like I was watching that interview. John Kander is so with it. Like he's yeah. not like, there's yeah. no like, you know, elderly anything happening. Like he is so smart and so brilliant. And like they did this sit down with him and Lynn. I heard Rebecca filmed it. Um, and it's so insightful. And like, you just watch it and you're like, this guy knows so much and he's still like able to do so much. Like, and he's clearly like him and Lynn are having the time, whether or not you liked the score of New York, New York, him and Lynn are having the time of their life working on that show. Like they're just having such a good time. Well, and everything Lynn has said, Lynn is like, I have to keep up. Like like, he's going too fast for me. They wrote maybe this time during like a dinner, like an hour long dinner break. Like they were talking about that at that cabaret thing where they're like, literally they were like, they wrote a song in it half an hour. And it was like, maybe I this mean, time. To be fair, it's like one chorus repeated over and over again. So like, that's one of the well, most no, iconic musical theater songs iconic. literally ever. And they wrote it in 30 minutes or an hour. Well, in his story saying. about the song, New York, New York too, about how De Niro <laughs> didn't like the song they originally wrote. So they were grumbly and complaining about it and wrote the song in like, 20 minutes and came back and he was like that's perfect and it's now one of the most literally iconic songs ever written about the the greatest city in the world (laughs) i also think we cannot talk about candor and ebb without me shouting out 70 girls 70 if you have not listened to that recording it needs to be an encore show in the next few seasons because they have not done it yet it is literally about these old women stealing furs from department stores to try to buy their retirement home back like it is, it is one of those wild shows with a wild plot, and I need more people to listen to it. And the music is fantastic. Well, and also the other thing about John Kander is, you know, Fred Ebb, who was his longtime collaborator, died in 2004. Yeah. And he, he's been finishing. Or, I mean, he's had multiple new shows. He's had you know, one, two, that doesn't count that survival, three, four, I think four or five shows since Ebbs died. And, you know, one of my favorite Candor and Ebb shows is Scottsboro Boys, which which was after Ebb died. And uh, I think that just, you know, to have worked with someone for as long as he did and then continue to make new work. I mean, look, he, the, the stuff in New York, New York, as Ashley said, whether you like it or not, that, um, that he is enjoying himself and and writing new music. And as we have seen, some people just, you know, want to work. You know, there's people like, I always equate like Paul McCartney to this. Paul McCartney has enough money. He does not need to tour, but he loves doing what he does. He loves performing. And I think it's a similar thing with the Angela Webbers, the Alan Menkins, the John Canders who, who, don't need to do more, but they want to write. And sometimes it's successful and sometimes it's not <clears throat> bad Cinderella. Um, but, you know. 
but it's impre- I think I mean, that it's, again, right? It's impre- it's impressive. It also is like that. He, you don't use it, you'll lose it. And he's like, I'm not losing yeah. it. <laughs> Staying with me. He'll be 105. He'll still be writing musicals. Well, and I know we all joke about Andrew Lloyd Webber, but the fact that the same person wrote, like this stylistically, a lot of his shows are very different. Like you, he, you have he School of Rock, Rock in there. You have all Phantom right. in there. Respectfully disagree. You, you, school school you, of Rock you and Phantom tell. could not be more different. You can tell that it's him. You can tell yes. that it's him. And you can tell which songs he added to School of Rock because except for Stick It to the Man, Ooh, they're breaking, not Breaking news, Jordan Fisher is leaving Sweeney June 18th. Oh, wow. Huh. Good. That's interesting. Does it say why? Does it? Uh, who's his replacement? No. It doesn't say. In June 18th, I'll be hanging out my Anthony hat and bidding for all of this dark and twisted world that is Sweeney Todd. At this time, my extraordinary production comes to an end. The journey ahead betraying Anthony has been nothing short of magical. Every moment on stage, my incredible castmates, crew, creative team, thank you for embracing me and making this experience one that I'll cherish forever. All of you amazing audiences, blah, blah, blah. Join me and take my final bow on March 18th and let's create the evening of magic, memories, and of course, mayhem. I mean, he does have a new-ish baby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if Gaten would have left with him, but now he doesn't have to because they're not filming Sweeney Todd. So uh, Strangers anytime soon. And uh, Josh Groban has said that his contract is up in January, but that he hopes that they continue. It definitely will not continue. I agree with you. It It may. Depending who they get. You're right. Music Man didn't tour. So that gave me hope that they may actually keep the production going. But so now we have discussed our special Tony Award. We now have our big four categories. We're going to start with Best Revival of a Play. We have four nominees. We have August Wilson's The Piano Lesson. We have A Doll's House, adapted by Amy Herzog. We have The Sign in Sidney Brewstein's Window. And Susan Laurie Park's Top Dog, Underdog. I think it could go to any of these. Me too. I really wanted to go to Top Dog Underdog. I really, really wanted to go to Top Dog Underdog. The nice thing about it, I think the best part about it is that because the piano lesson is also closed, you will get people that have seen all of them because that's the nice, the best part of the, of this. Um, I mean, Doll's House is probably the favorite because of just Miss, Miss Jessica, but I think Top Dog Underdog, it's such an incredible production. And it was, it's like, I said, it's a show that feels, I mean, it was obviously, it was written, I mean, it premiered what, nine, what year did it premiere? The original one, right? But it like it literally could have. You told me if you told me it had been written last year, I would have believed you. Like it feels still relevant and so timeless in a way that like I can't remember the last time I saw a show that I was like this could have been written yesterday. It felt like a new play, hundred percent. I I really want to see Top Dog Underdog win this. I I I agree. I saw Top Dog Underdog. Uh, I think pretty early in its run and I had never seen that's that's what I love about about seeing everything and you know we we all talk and we've all seen most of this season if not all but I do think that's one of my favorite parts about living in New York is exposure to new work and of course I love seeing you know I've seen Kimberly five times I've seen Shuck three times I've you know but I, I do think that the stuff as a theater artist which you know most of us are that 
is something that is really cool is getting exposed to new theater and the fact that that a play that was you know that's why i love the revival categories particularly is you get to be exposed to work that you wouldn't necessarily have been and look we'll see that again next year with another ibsen adaptation um don't remind me <laughs> yeah i don't really care about the play i'm just excited to see him but we have jeremy strong and an enemy of the people next year oh um, my god i forgot about that I, uh... I am publicly claiming myself as an Ibsen hater. So Kate Kate has famously loves all Ibsen work and all productions of all Ibsen things. I have yet to see any of his plays (laughs) that I enjoy. Yeah, I remember when is that also Amy Herzog though, right? Or no? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think I I texted you, Kate, about Doll's House because I was debating seeing it. And you were like, it's a good production of a play I hate. Yeah, 100% accurate. And honestly, I wouldn't be mad if it wins Best Revival because I think it's going to be the best production of A Doll's House that we ever get, but I truly detest that play. And speaking of revivals, we'll go to Best Revival of a Musical. We have four nominees. We have Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods, Lerner and Lowe's Camelot, Jason Robert Brown's Parade, and Stephen Sondheim's Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Into the woods, me, please. For me, this is the most, uh, outside of like supporting actress in a musical, this is the most interesting category to me because I don't, I literally don't know what they're going to do. And I, it's so interesting. Like I could see it going, it's the, it, it's going to go so many ways. It, it could go, I mean, obviously I'm like, we say that every, but like it literally could go to any of these and I would not, I w- would not be surprised. You know, prior to the nominations, I thought it would go to parade. But then Into the Woods got the number of nominations that it got. And I, of course, I Into the Woods is one of the reasons that I make theater, that I love theater. And was one of the first shows I ever, like, was a part of. I love that show. I love this production of that show. Um, And so it gives me hope that it'll win. It will be well-deserved. Um, but I think any of these, I mean, I haven't seen half of them, but Camelot, I have tickets for right after the Tonys. Hopefully I'll finally be able to see Sweeney at some point. Um, but I, I think at Into the Woods uh, is is who I hope gets this. I would love Into the Woods to win this. I think it's going to parade, but if it, if it ends up being Into the Woods, I'll be elated. That was probably my favorite of the four, but I feel like this year, we have four revivals that all just feel like they're missing something for me. Uh, and that something's a set. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, no offense. That, to no, but that is, that is um, honestly, like, this is me being dramatic, but that is what scares me about Into the Woods. Like, yeah, does it set a precedent of like, you can just throw people on stage and win a Tony, which I'm aware that's not what they're doing. Like the sound's incredible. Everyone in it is super talented. Yeah. And like, and you get a bunch like- of celebrities and then- orchestra on stage you win a tony but there are things that specifically i think make into the woods so as charming as it is that are not just the the cast and that's things that no into the woods production has done before and one of the major Mm, things is milky white my my girl hundred percent my my person my yes my baby milky white the trans cow um (laughs) 
<laughs> trans icon. But, but I, he uses I the she, they, he, all pronouns. All pronouns. I think with Into the Woods particularly and with Sondheim and with post-COVID and with revivals, we are starting to see these things broken down to the text, which is what Into the Woods really did for me. It broke it down to the the text of the show, to the book, to the to the lyrics. And that's now, of course, I would have liked a little bit more set, but it that's what it did for me is it allowed me to pay attention to that more. I like Sexy Oklahoma. That's what Sexy Oklahoma did. It took this book and it broke it down to the text and it was weird and delightful and I loved it super so much. And, it and then fun. they brought it on tour and I saw it in a proscenium theater and it didn't work. Oh, I still liked it at the proscenium, but I love that production. I saw it in DC and I loved Sis so much that I did not care about the rest of it. Yeah, I, um, I agree it works it. better in the, in, the, in the circle, but I love, I thought Sis was so brilliant. And I love the, I forgot his name, the uh, Curly on tour. Um, well, and look, Parade, yeah. that did a, a very similar thing. They broke it down to that text, but also, you know, uh, Alfred Urey and Jason Robert Brown had been making revisions. Uh, they did it to the to the UK production. And then I, I believe they made additional changes for City Center. And I, I appreciate that um, someone that that don't doesn't think of a work being finished when it hits when they freeze the show on Broadway for the first time, it's not done there. That if you are lucky enough to get to revisit pieces of your own later in your career and feel like there should be a change made, you should be able to make that change. And I think that it's really cool that we've gotten those changes. There's some, uh, I don't remember what the song is, but on the, the new cast recording of Parade, that's just like, uh, uh, which not the parade cast recording parade. is also X. I love the parade yes. cast recording. Someone was like, it sounds too clean. And I was like, oh, I don't know what you hammer of justice. I hate that song. That song. Okay. But like coming it's... right out of, you don't know this man into like this, like funky thing is uh, so cool. The people of Atlanta is such a good song. True. People of no, Atlanta I... is my favorite song on the original cast recording. So the fact that they cut it and replaced it with, whatever hammer of justice is is heartbreaking to me <laughs> uh, i'm still mad that alex joseph grayson did grayson joseph joseph grayson yeah joseph, joseph grayson. Grayson. Okay, okay alex joseph grayson did not get nominated I'm well and to bring up something that all four of these have in common they all have a large orchestra yes that's true. And I think that that's part of what we're getting now with revivals of musicals are uh, minimalistic sets with large orchestras. That, and, in fact, is the trend of all four of these shows. Yes. And <laughs> I'm an expert on uh, musicians. I was about to say, now. Kate, what is your opinion on... Here. Every single one of these shows, except for End of the Woods, went well above the minimum of, of the theater yes. that they're in. So Kate hated all of them because Kate hates orchestras, I heard. I heard uh, yeah. Kate hates yes. all and live music. Kate and I also have very different opinions on, on what's happening right now as well. That's, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I think that getting to hear, especially, you know, Jonathan Tunick to two of his original orchestrations um, back with their full original size um, is, is 
something special. Same with Sweeney. So getting to hear Sweeney from well, the orchestra yeah. is one of the most magical things I've ever experienced. Like, cause and the last time we saw it was, was the eight cast members playing, is Patty playing the tuba, right? Like, ah, <laughs> uh, John Doyle. Which uh, don't wrong. It, I love- it sounds so much better with a full orchestra. So much better. And I will say that's another thing. I'm, I'm, the Tony Waters all saw it from the orchestra. They did not see it from the back of the mess where, it, where you can literally not hear people where the sound design is so poor that you're literally like, what is Jordan Fisher singing? Or is he just mouthing words to music? Like that's like, like you could not hear a word Jordan Fisher was saying in the back of the orchestra, in the back of the mess. And also with Sweeney, you know, you have an orchestra that is under the hand of Alex Lacamoire, one of the the most uh, well-renowned music directors of our time. Um, And, you know, I, I just think all of these, I think, doesn't Camelot have like a 30 person orchestra or yes, something? It does. That's I counted. Crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Um that is nuts. Yeah. Coordinating subs for that orchestra must suck. Um but yeah, it these are all big orchestras. These are all big large scale other than set um revivals. Um which I think also talking about, as I think Ashley said before, with the the celebrities and the, you know, all of these have either uh, Broadway celebrities or Hollywood celebrities or music celebrities in them. You know, with Into the Woods, you have Sarah Bareilles, Camelot, you have Pippa Sue, Parade, you have Ben Platt, Sweeney, you have Josh Groban and Lee Ashford. And, and I would say Jordan Camelot Fisher probably is your, your least your least celebrity one because Pippa is, is a celebrity to us. Yes. But what my parents yeah. would have no idea who she is. <laughs> well, I think that she, you should include her because of the Hamilton. Like, I think. No. Yeah. But she's she's Broadway. I mean, she's Broadway. Yeah. She's Broadway royalty for sure. She also is like one of the hardest working actors. She's in like, what, four major productions yeah. this year. Like, Broadway's doing the work. Um, but like, it's not like, like my parents like would go to see, like they know Josh Groban. They know Ben Platt. They know Sarah Bareilles. Like they would yeah. not, could, they wouldn't know any of the people in Camelot. I um, just put her on another no. level of, of she's in between there because like more people know her than know like the average Broadway you're, person. I would you're right. Cause I would if my dad was like, oh, who's in Camelot? I go, oh, you know the wife in Hamilton from the Disney Plus pro yeah. shot I made you watch. You go, oh, that was that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have that's exactly how that conversation would go directly. I would I would say Jordan Donica and Andrew Burnap are famous two theater people yes and <laughs> Philippa's no I I, gr- I agree that Philippa's more famous than a traditional Broadway person but I just I just didn't want her to be not that she shouldn't be on the same level as Sarah Brellis yes. but you know no and I think he's no, the reason that Sweeney Todd is on Broadway is Josh Groban said I want to do Sweeney Todd yes yes um he says, I want to play Sweeney Todd and I want Ali Ashford to be Mrs. Lovett. And they were like, done. <laughs> Which I, I don't think is the same as Parade. You know, Parade no. is different. You know, Ben Platt is has it? wanted to play it all of his life, but that was a Michael Arden asked him to do a workshop a while ago. Now, the reason yeah, it transferred might be Ben Platt saying I and yeah. doing that work. But I think that, well, it, that King, the King, the King, and I say this with all the love if you're listening, Ben Platt, King of Nepo babies, but deserved he's very talented but yeah. it's helpful when your dad is one of the richest producers on literally the planet earth but you so, know what yeah. jonah platt's not as famous so it's not just the nepotism you're not wrong you're not wrong 
No. No, no. Hey, again, uh, Ben Platt is a very, very talented Nepo baby. Most Nepo babies that get somewhere, especially in the theater world, you have to have talent and you yes, have to yeah. be able to. Well, and to I think that. I'd say a lot of people don't know Ben Platt's backstory. Like you have yeah. to, it's not like, it's not like he, it's a dad is a famous actor. Like his dad is a, you have to like be, you have to be very in the, not very, but you have to be in the know to understand, like to know who Mark Platt is, to understand who, what Mark Platt has done for the entertainment industry to be aware of Ben Platt being the Nepo baby that he is. It's why it's annoying to me. People are like, Beanie's Nepo baby because her brother is Jonah Hill. And I was like, that's not how that works. <laughs> Jonah Hill well, what was dead. interesting is I was watching an interview with Robert De Niro, whose son is in the sign at Sidney yes. Brewster's window. Mm-hmm. And the casting is- team didn't put the last name De Niro with the dad De Niro together until... Uh, Robert De Niro showed up on opening night at Pam. Yeah, because he's black and people don't realize that white yeah. people can have black children because white people can marry. It's like, that's what's so crazy to me is people are like, what? And I was like, yeah, I don't know if you know this, but just... <laughs> as someone who just finished Legend Born last night, this is very. It's just like, are you kidding me? Like, anyway. Very appropriate. And, anyway, the opposite of a Nepo baby because they had no idea. Yeah. yeah. Um... And then you have people like Maude Apatow. Um, but that's a whole other thing. Do we think, sorry, unrelated, but kind of related. Do we think Maude is coming to Broadway? Do you think that's what they're going to do? They're testing it out in London and they're going to bring Maude and um, Alex. Happening. It's right? possible. That to me makes the most sense if like they're definitely not getting Jesse and um, Eddie and they want to bring it anyway. But I think it depends on how they're received. Yes, that's the The Jeremy Jordan Little Shop news was also interesting. Ugh, boring. Boring. Yeah, no, I agree. But just I'm annoyed. Like, I'm annoyed because I was want to see Joyce so bad, but I really have no interest in seeing Jeremy Jordan. Like, I mean, I really liked him I, in Little Shop, but sorry. I am a huge, not huge. I'm a I'm a large uh, Jeremy Jordan fan. Uh, <laughs> um, and I was like, oh well, do something else. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he was he was the one time I have seen Little Shop. I have tried about 37 other times uh, for the lottery. I have not won a single lottery since uh, December. Um, and I have been entering every day. So my luck has been terrible. And one of the ones that I've been entering is Little Shop. So I really just want to see that production again. I now also want to see Joy and I really want to see Drew Galing and Brett Oscar. So for today's advertisement, we are going to be talking about our favorite theater diary app, Mezzanine. Mezzanine is a theater diary app for iOS, and users can log the shows they see, add ratings and reviews, and build wish lists of the plays and musicals they're excited about. Think Letterboxd or Goodreads, but for theater. All four of us on this panel use Mezzanine extensively, and we are all big fans. Um, if you are a big fan of the app, you can also support it by becoming a patron. I, I love the Mezzanine app, mostly because I book a lot of theater and there have been cases where I have booked two shows on, at the same time and Mezzanine keeps me from doing that. Um, but I also just love, I am also a patron and so I can add in my photos that I take at the theater to all of my diary entries. And so it's nice. It's a nice little just pocket reminder of everything that I've seen. Um, I also use it to keep track of how many shows I've seen throughout the year. And um, one of my goals is to see a show in all 50 states. 
and they uh it saves your location for um it saves the location of each theater that you go to so you can see a map of all of the places that you've seen theater in which is really cool it also keeps track of what Broadway theaters you have seen shows in. Same thing with West End theaters. I have seen shows in 37 of the 41 Broadway theaters, and I will finish the other three hopefully this year. And then we just need to wait for the palace to reopen. You're so close. I'm so close. It's just because I haven't seen Lion King and Aladdin yet. Oh, fair. Lion King was my la- was my 41st theater, so I get it. <laughs> and I still have Sweeney Todd to see. Okay. But yeah, so we we love Mezzanine here. You can actually follow all four of us on Mezzanine to just plug all of us as well. Um, And Mezzanine is also like a social network so you can see what your friends are seeing and look at their ratings and read their reviews, which is um, something really great when there's a show that you're not so sure that you want to see or not. And you can see whether your friends liked it. And as Kate said, it is something that we uh, we all use to keep track of what shows we see um, in a year, how many of them we see. And so, like, I've seen 30 shows so far this year, and last year I saw 76 shows. Kate, you probably saw a bunch more than me. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I have seen way too many shows. I'm almost up to 100 this year alone. That is unbelievable. <laughs> I also love that you can you can add in a show if it's not already in. I see a lot of theater outside of New York, and it's the only app that lets me like add in the uh, community theater production that I see in Colorado Springs <laughs> to the app. Um, or uh, I I will also add in if I see a uh, like a Fathom Events event. You can download Mezzanine on the iOS App Store. And you can follow all four of us, Spencer Share, Ashley Hufford, Kate Reinking, and J.T. Tranberg on the Mezzanine app. And now, back to And the EGOT Goes To. So let's now get to our last two categories. We have Best Play. We have five nominees. Ain't No Mo, Between Riverside and Crazy, Cost of Living, Fat Ham, and Leopoldstadt. Fat Ham's winning. I'm just gonna fat say that. Ham, I'm gonna, fat throw, ham, it, fat I'm gonna ham. throw it out into the universe until it I'm, happens. I'm okay. So we mad. all want Fat Ham to win. Fat Ham is going to win. We're manifesting. We're doing some We're manifesting. But <laughs> realistically and unfortunately, I think Leopoldstadt is going to win. I think unfortunately, um, Leopoldstadt is going to lose. <laughs> you're really manifesting. <laughs> We're manifesting. Um. I wanted to go back to Leopold Shot this week, but now the only damn free is Sunday. And I'm like, I don't think I can do Leopold Shot on oh, Tony no. Sunday. Oh, shucks. Oh, shucked. Oh, I really don't, don't want it to win. Um, yeah, I mean, these are all great plays. I, uh, we, of course, you know, Fat Ham won the Pulitzer. Um, and it will win the Tony for best play. <laughs> I would be pleasantly surprised if it won the Tony for best play. I honestly would be so excited if any of these other plays won yes. the Tony for best play. I'd be so excited for Eight No More. Between Riverside and Crazy I'd would make me and Crazy. I didn't love Cost of Living, but I really like her, um, the playwright yeah. Martina Mayuk, who will win 
in two years for best book of a musical. Um, for for the Great Gatsby in twenty. Oh yes, twenty four. I um, forgot that was her. Yeah, she's doing the book for that, which I'm very I hope it's for. a good book. I assume well, it will be based on Sanctuary City, a play that I love. I agree. I agree. But I have I have seen books by playwrights that ended up being disappointing. So I'm holding I'm holding out. I if Fatham does not win this, and then I hope Celine wins her best directing. Like I feel like Fatham needs all his praise. I feel like Fatham needs to be my fantasy Tony Sweet um fantasy, but it's not. Um, but it can at least win best play. I know. I really and, you want know, it. That's the hope. But we all know what Tony voters like. And it's Leopold Stein. But they're getting Prayer for the French Republic in one yes. year. Correct, which is such a better play. Which such a better win. play. One year. One year. All they have to do is wait one year. 2022, I saw 200, 200 shows. 200 shows. Show number one of the year, my number one at all 200, Bat Ham. Number two of the whole year, Prayer for the French Republic. And they almost tied for first because I love them both so much. So and when, they need them to win. When that announced its transfer, I was shocked because it was also like six months after its run. But I love that play. That play is does what Leia Polstadt wants to do with an intermission and with a better play. Yes. It's a significantly better play. And, and I'm so excited. To and it. a it better is, set. It's present day. So it's more it's more immediate in its subject yes. matter. Yes. It's and a show it that a you also set. can it, in the show. It's a three hour show that flies. Like it is one of yes. the first three hour shows I've Literally. seen where I'm like, it earns every single minute of that show that I saw show is so good after landing and i was awake the whole time right. and it's a show that like i will go see probably more than once and enjoy it because i feel like it's a show that every time you see it you're gonna get some anyway i know this is we're already talking about next season but all i'm saying is you don't need to lay a pull shot to win because next season you're getting pair of the Red republic and that should win and i don't need it back to back and i'm a jew and i'm telling you we don't need back to back Leia Polstadt, Prayer for the French Republic, Holocaust Jewish shows to win. <laughs> is this Tom um, Stopper's last chance for a Tony? Probably. What is he? He's very old. He's in his 90s. Because Leopold Stadt is about him. Like he's 85, but he looks like he's like Ooh. 103. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Rough. <laughs> His like first his life story. He looks the older first than John play Tanner, he wrote. He looks. Oh, what's that? Was in 1966. What was his first play? I don't know. I want to know what his first play on Broadway was. He actually. looks. He looks so much older than. He is. Than John Kander, and John Kander's yes. 96, and he's 10 years younger than him. That's wild. Oh, he wrote 15 minute Hamlet, and I was in that in high school. Oh, travesties. Oh. I hated that show. Sorry, I'm looking at <laughs> His first play on Broadway was in 1967. It was Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Oh, I love oh, that, that show, makes sense. That's, a That's great such play. a good play. <laughs> I mean, you mean Lion King one and a half? I yeah. guess that's what happens. I know it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... Uh, that play was his first play on Broadway that came to Broadway when he was 30. Okay. And probably his last new play came to Broadway when he was in his 80s. And so just like Jack O'Brien, as we were saying before in our 
last episode with long careers. It is. Uh, How many Tonys has he won before? Because he has the Oscar for. Dopper? Yeah. Um, let's look. Uh, best play, Coast of Utopia Part 1. Best play, Coast of Utopia Part 2. Oh, best play, God, Coast of Utopia Part 3. Oh, so maybe it's just one award for Coast it of Utopia. It is just one award. Um, That's hilarious. Best play, The Real Thing. Best play, Travesties. Best play, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. So it's one, Got two, it. three, four. Four Tonys. You know who has zero? James Imes. Yes. Yes. But he also has a Pulitzer, so... That's fair. Because he um, won, yeah. yeah, he won the Shakespeare in Love. He won the Oscar. As I was checking. And our, so we we hope, of course, Fat Ham, and we are manifesting Fat Ham. But I do think in the end of Lord Leopold's Yeah. Um, Everybody, we need you all to manifest together. Or or maybe, maybe ain't no mo. I mean. I mean, I would if Ain't No Mo won, I would cry. Like I would literally yeah. cry from happiness. Like if Ain't No Mo wins one award, I needed to go to Phoebe Walker Web and uh... oh. that'd be amazing. And then our last category, you know, we all, all four of us are are big musical people. We love the musicals. You know, I I majority. See, that's not a word. I mean, it is, but it's not being used correctly. I see more musicals than I do plays. There we go. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, I'll say technically I, I saw to... more plays this year than musicals, yeah. but that's because they're just more nominations yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to the season. Yes. Yeah. I also, I tend to repeat musicals more than I do plays, although I saw Leopoldstadt three times. Um, I'm so sorry. I've seen Leopoldstadt and Shucked the same amount, which I think is funny um i mean same one for each <laughs> but no uh i think that this year this season we had a lot of great shows a lot of new works a lot of very different things you know all five of the eh, most of these shows are pretty different from one another um and so i think you know when you're talking about this award it's combining all of the different elements it's the design, it's the directions, it's the score, it's the book, you know, what is the best overall show? And so we have our five nominees. We have Anne Juliet, Kimberly Akimbo, New York, New York, Shucked, and Some Like It Hot. I happen to really, really love four of these shows and moderately like one of these shows. Um, I really hope, and the show that truly deserves this is Kimberly Kimbo. It is the best musical of the year. It is one of my favorite musicals of the past 10 years. Um, wow. I, I, That's a big statement. I love That's this show praise. so much. Um, and I really hope it wins. Obviously, I would not be unhappy if Shucked took this away from them. Um, I think it's a two. I think, unfortunately for everyone, it's a two horse race here, and it's some like it hot or it's Kimberly. I do yeah. think in your favor, from everything I've been seeing and hearing and and looking at other awards, I think Kimberly has been slowly pulling away from the pack, um, in a really exciting way. Uh, but I think it'll either be some like it hot or Kimberly. Did you see it? This is going to be really niche. There was an interview that I saw this morning that my dad sent me. Shout out to my dad who listens to this podcast. Um, 
about in the forward, which is, you know, the Jewish news organization. Um, it was talking to, to Mark Shaman because they had a cut song. I'll send it to you. Actually, you'll probably really like it about like Jews um, in some like it hot. What? And, uh, and Mark <laughs> Shaman's uh, mom is coming. Uh, she here. I, I quote from Mark Shaman. Did they prepare speeches for the Tonys? He says, my mother turns 95 two days after the Tonys and she's schlepping up from Florida and she's in no shape to be doing that. But she's like, I want to be there when you win that Tony for my birthday. So now I not only have the, you know, will we win? Will we won't? But now I'll ruin my mother's 95th birthday if we don't win. I keep telling her, like, there's this show called Kimberly Akimbo, but she doesn't want to hear it. So Mark Shaman himself thinks that Kimberly Akimbo will win. Mark Shaman has good taste. I agree. Kimberly yeah. Akimbo will win. I think, I, yeah, I think I, I would be at this point very surprised if it doesn't. Um, but yeah, my good friend Mark Shaman, he follows me on Instagram now. So uh, when I reshare this pod, I will make sure to tag him. Hi, Mark, my good friend. <laughs> so, um, Mark, we love your show, but we don't think you're going to win. <laughs> yeah. Not to be a Kimberly Akimbo hater. But I, it's no secret that Kimberly Akimbo is not my favorite musical. I don't hate it. I'm just not the greatest fan. Um, but do I think it's going to win the Tony? Absolutely. Will I cry when it wins the Tony? Absolutely. Because I think that Shucked should win this Tony. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Look, if Kimberly doesn't win and Shucked wins, I'll be sad for a little bit, but I will also be ecstatic because I love Shucked. Shucked is something yeah. so yeah. different from anything else we've seen in a very long time. The fact that it made it to Broadway at all is shocking. Shocking. No, Shucked and, is my favorite. Is my favorite show of this year. I mean, and so Shucked is my jam. Yeah. Shucked is incredible. I would not be unhappy if it won. The only show in here that I would be angry if it won would be New York, New York. Yeah, agree. I'd be shocked. Uh, I'm, I'm shocked it's here, but yes. I am happy because so many people were so mean about me putting it on this when I did the my Tony prediction TikTok. Yeah, and they're like, "You're an idiot. You're, they're they're going to get like no nominations. You're an idiot." And I had it getting like the same amount it actually got, and I was like, "Ha ha, I win." Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, I agree. I would be, I wouldn't, I mean, if Angelia, even if it said, if Angelia won, I'd be honestly happy, but I also am yeah. not like, I'm not in the, I'm not part of the seeing Kimberly 12 times club. I, I enjoy Kimberly. There are parts Hello, of Kimberly. I me. don't, I, great. I'm, there are a lot of parts of Kimberly that I don't particularly enjoy. And there are parts of Kimberly that I find kind of slow and boring. Um, and it's not a cast album that I think for me works as well as Shucked, which I think a lot of those songs work on their yes. own, where I think Kimberly are very specific. Uh. And I, I do really like Kimberly, but so many good songs in Kimberly this time now. Right. No, but right, but those they're all yes. they're all very like Kimberly songs. But I mean, you know what I mean? That's like, yeah. like Shucked, I think some a lot of the songs in Shucked, like you can play on they they you know what I mean? Like they play in a playlist of other songs. <laughs> so <laughs> I like to think of it like we were actually having this conversation the other day about like what songs could you take out of a musical and put in a different musical telling a different story. And I feel like looking at this, like a lot of Kimberly songs you can't do that with, but with plenty of the songs from Shucked, you can. Yes. Well, and I think also with Shucked, Shucked's story is just so, it, so 
Shucks as a show's story, not Shucks the story in the show, the story of the show. Yes. Um, is so different, so interesting. It came out of nowhere. You know, Kimberly Akimbo is a very traditional, you know, start off Broadway, transfer to Broadway, that that sort of thing. Shucks had an a tryout in Ohio. It, you know, it's this Texas. It's very different. Texas and Utah. It had two tryouts. Eh, Utah, Ohio, what's the difference? Shucked had, had a tryout in Utah. In between and New York Texas. and California. In the Very different. Yeah. Ohio is a mecca of musical theater. Utah is a mecca of really big budget regional theater. It had two out-of-town tryouts. It, did. it originated as the Hee Haw musical. <laughs> I wish I still called it Hee Haw. <laughs> which um, Brandy Clark just uh, at the Shucked event the other night sang the, the Hee Haw opening number for, for the original, the first draft of it. That's so and it was very funny. Um, I'll send you all audio from that. I am still that. sad they didn't do Get Shucked because mm. I really wanted the Get Shucked songs yes. that everyone told me about. Um, no, I mean, it's a Rachel, I'd be so happy if it won, because um, I also hope that uh, if that show is successful enough, then that Book of Mormon can close and that that yes. can be the new funny show on Broadway. I know. That's Bad news happen. is that everyone wants that theater. So I'm a little bit worried about Shock yeah. for the fall. Oh, right. the Nederlander? Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is stupid because that theater's not even a good theater. It's in a terrible location, but it, it's fine. It is got I mean, a waiting it's a great list. location for me because it's a block away from my job. What I mean though is like, <laughs> is that like location wise, no one sees it. Like if you're like tourists don't see yeah. the Nederlander. Like it's that's not true. in a, like yeah, that's very for true. us, it doesn't really matter. But like in terms of like, if you're yeah. coming to New York, you're not like, you're never going to walk past the Nederlander because you're going to get off at 42nd street <laughs> and you're yeah. not going to see it on 41st yep. street, which no. sounds Unless stupid. Unless you're going to the drama bookshop. It's true, right. But so now we are, are done with, with our predictions and our conversations about the 2023 Tony Awards. We are now going to uh, post Tonys. We'll have a recap and a conversation with hopefully a Tony winner from this season. We, have, we are having conversations with a bunch of different people. Ooh. We're just trying to do someone that will win because if it's someone that's just nominated and doesn't win, and then we talk to them on like Tuesday next week, they'll probably be really sad. So we're trying to not have that awkwardness happen. Can we get uh, but, John Kander? He'd be great. He'll win a Tony already because he's going to win one forever. as a winning a lifetime true. achievement. Um, award. Can we get the, uh, the, can we get the, can we, the Florida... Uh, Theater professor, theater teacher. We're talking to Pasadena Playhouse Kimberly's team about either David Lindsay Bear or Janine Tesori. If Janine Tesori joins our podcast, Kate will die. Yeah, (laughs) watch Kate. If David Lindsay Bear joins our podcast, I will die. I saw Funny Mears, but I was like too young to see Funny Mears. So, I'd like to thank all of you all of you listeners, and also this panel. This is a wonderful panel, and hopefully we'll be able to continue this for next season once we get there and hopefully start a little earlier. Um, And so, yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, We will have shows on the Emmys, Grammys, and Oscars at the times of those. Keep an eye out on our Instagram and our Twitter for that. Um, We are also looking for hosts for those shows. So if you're someone who listens to all the new music, uh, if you are someone who watches all of the 
Oscar eligible movies or movies that are, you know, Oscar bait. Um, or if you're someone who watches all of the new television, please reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at EGOT underscore podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you after the Tony Awards. Yay!